All right, guys, it's another Sunday night, and you know who it is. It's Dr. Delvina Thomas, a board-certified psychiatrist in South Florida, and this is the Brain Love Podcast. It comes on every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Some 8 p.m., sometimes I'm a little late. Sorry, y'all. Sometimes I'm a little late. But every Sunday night, you get a new episode since Mother's Day in 2020, and this is March. March has become Women's Month. It's Women's History Month. It has become Women's Month. And so last year I started doing um, segments all about women every Sunday in March. And this year is no different. So tonight I have on the couch with me someone I knew from my childhood, I'd say from my adolescence. Her name is Marisha Phillips. Hey, Marisha. Hello. Hello. Are you ready to take the couch? Yes, ma'am. Let's get this party started. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I felt it was important for people to hear your story because um, you've had some significant challenges recently, physically and medically. And I'm so glad that you agreed to um, to come on the couch and, and share your story. Well, thank you for having me. So recently I learned from you. I, I saw some post on Facebook um, but I really, you know, I'm not a nosy type of person. So if someone posts something, um, I don't try to track it down or put, you know, pieces together to figure out the story. Um, I just kind of let nature take its course. And when it's meant for me to learn it, I'll learn it. Um, and a few months ago, you told me on social media that you had been diagnosed with lung cancer. Yes. How long ago was that that you received the diagnosis? Um, it was December 7th, 2022. Okay. So a little over a year ago. Yes. Were you shocked? I was. I knew something was wrong, but we as women tend to push things to the back burner. Like almost like, well, we can take on anything. So I had symptoms, but I was, you know, Google is not your friend, but it kept telling me lung cancer, but I was ignoring it. Really? I, I even was about, to, yes, it was like lung cancer or congestive heart failure. And I'm like, because my breathing had became very labored, um, just like simple stuff, like stepping up on a curb or going from my front door to the my car, which was literally parked maybe five feet from my front door simple tasks. And I was like, okay, but somewhere in my brain, I'm like, well, maybe I deserved it because I did smoke. And I'm like, I quit. And I'm like, maybe these are, you know, just side effects of the withdrawal and I'll get better. But I never got better. I knew I was in trouble when I flew home for Thanksgiving of 2022, the day before Thanksgiving. And I had to tell my girls, I have four grown adult daughters and we all were meeting in Maryland for my two middle daughters, I got a house together. And I said, I'm going to come home and I'm going to cook. But I knew I had to tell them I'm not the person you're used to seeing. And that was the hardest part because I had to travel in a wheelchair for the first time ever. And oh. it something told me not to go to sleep. It was a flight from, I had to go from that year, that time I flew from Dallas to Houston, from Houston to Baltimore. And <clears throat> it's a short flight. Something told me, I usually fall asleep. Something said, do not fall asleep. Do not fall asleep on this plane. And I kept feeling myself, get, the higher we went up, the tighter my chest became, the labor, my 
Breathing became, my daughters got so tired of me. The week after Thanksgiving, they just threw me, dropped me off at Johns Hopkins and, and just said, don't call us, we'll call you. <laughs> and I was hospitalized. And then it took me 12 hours to be seen. Wait, 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 wait one second. So how long <laughs> did you have these symptoms? Um, The middle of, okay, so it, they started in the summer of 2022, like around, I was home because I had to do a delivery in August because I was, I'm a doula. And I came home a couple months before, um, probably about like the end of June, early July. And I noticed, I thought I had like an upper respiratory infection because the, the symptoms came. My breathing was crazy, had like a deep cough, but then it went away. I just didn't feel like my usual self, but I thought I was just drained from a summer cold. It was the quiet before the storm. Wow. So, ooh, you said you smoked previously, but you had stopped smoking. How long did you smoke? I smoked for 15 years, but I never reached, and <clears throat> excuse me, I never reached the status of what they call a heavy smoker. I was an occasional, never got past a half a pack of cigarettes a day, which is a lot for a non-smoker. But in the smoking community, most people, they a progress pack to a like day. a pack, right, pack, pack and a half. People, I know two, I was like, I've never gotten that far. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I asked when they told me I had lung cancer was, was it before I devastate my children, I'll own my mess. But before I tell them, is it something that I did, my lifestyle choices that caused this? And they said, no, what took us so long on getting your test results back, we did genetic testing. And it is hereditary. And that was my next question to you, if there's a family history of lung cancer. Yes, I lost my mother 25 years ago. It'd be 20, it'd be 25 years coming up April. Wow. To lung cancer. Yes, ma'am. Now, did Johns Hopkins tell you that your children could have genetic testing as well so they can check for the, the DNA mutation? Yes. So now they all have to get early screenings as part of their regular yearly. And what was shocking is because of my age, there's no screening process. The only reason they screened me was because of the amount of fluid they drained off of me in the emergency room off of my lung, because that was causing all the discomfort and the breathing problems. My right lung was so filled with fluid. It, they pulled three liters of fluid off of one lung. Wow, that's a and lot. They, yeah, that was a whole lot. And they were like, um, <clears throat> so they tested it because of the amount that they pulled from me. But even they admitted, you usually don't get screened for lung cancer until you're 50. Mm-hmm. I was 47. And then when they looked at my blood work, everything says I'm completely a completely healthy woman outside of cancer. So... If they w- if that fluid wouldn't have been present, they probably wouldn't wouldn't have screened then and there, which would have caused more damage. And then by the time they did catch it and I was diagnosed, it was already stage four. Mm. So um, you were forty seven at the time you were diagnosed. You how long had it been since you stopped smoking cigarettes? By the time you I, were diagnosed, about three months because. And this sounds, this is so typical. <laughs> I was starting to make, I was starting to wheeze when I was at rest. And I said, no, I can't be making sounds like I got to quit. And I, 
I was so afraid to quit cold turkey because I didn't know if I could because I had quit before. Um, years back, I, I used Chantix mm-hmm. back when they were prescribing Chantix and I quit and I was successful for three years. I forced myself to smoke again because I got tired of gaining weight. No matter what I did, I was going to see a nutritionist, going to the gym. I gained like 70 pounds. I was devastated. So the depression, I forced myself to smoke cigarettes and I started smoking again. So when I quit, it was because I was making, my voice became raspy at rest and I could hear my breathing. I said, no, this, this. So I quit cold turkey and then I thought I was having all these side effects from me quitting smoking because they run parallel. They can be symptoms of a lung disorder or they could be the withdrawals from the nicotine because that's how bad nicotine is for the body. It messes up your carbon dioxide, your oxygen levels, like the 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 amount of urea in your body. It's a mess. So it's like a whole bunch of stuff you're coming off of and you're needing from, you know, food or the air. So it was a combination of the two. And like, and like I had went to the emergency room in Texas, but because they just did an x-ray and they gave me an inhaler because that lung was so filled with fluid, they couldn't see anything. Hmm. It was just, it was, <laughs> so I had, I had did an they, inhaler. Did they ask you if you had been a smoker? Yeah. And they did. That's when I knew I had to come home. Living in different places is beautiful until you need health care. Yeah. In some places, the disparities are real. When I, when I, because my a coworker of mine, she was like, yeah, because she has kids. And she was like, we got to go to the county. I said, they have county hospitals out here? I said, I got to go home. <laughs> I, yeah. I said, I'm not playing. I said, because I've been to Baylor, Scott, for like minor things, but I, I've never had to have comprehensive full-time care before and I know that they have a lottery system for Anderson which would have been like Houston was about a four-hour drive but I would have relocated if I could have got in but then my support system's here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I, I said I don't want to play with my health like this I was like because having a good support system is monumental when you're mm-hmm. facing with all these challenges and just you know, just having support. It doesn't, you don't have to have a huge support system, just one that's accountable. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the thing that stuck out to me, um, other than you smoked for 15 years, a little bit, half a pack a day or whatever. Um, but you said your mom succumbed or transitioned uh, because of lung cancer. Your mom, was she, was she a smoker as well? Yes, and hers was not even caused from lung cancer because I was about to sue the tobacco industry. So we got all into her medical records. And hers was environmental because okay. she was born and raised in the UK. She came from um, Great Britain, <clears throat> raised right outside of London, and it's damp. And so they oh. think that mold spores grew in her lungs and then became cancerous tumors throughout, you know, over the course of some years because. When she was diagnosed, she was diagnosed at stage four as well. But hers was medical negligence. If the doctor would have did a second chest x-ray to compare to the first one, when she first went to the hospital, then it would have been the fluid never diminished and they would have known. But because he didn't run the second chest x-ray and diagnosed her with everything under the sun related to the lungs, Besides cancer, she was being treated for everything but the cancer. 
So by the time she got cancer treatment, it was so far progressed. Hmm. Yeah. So, but just how, I, how long was she a smoker? Oh, my mother was a smoker. My gosh, she was one of the old school pack a day, probably about 30. She still smoked after her diagnosis. Yeah. So I'm Even just, you know, they told you it was environmental, but it, that doesn't mean that tobacco didn't play a part. Right. That's what I said. Because I, I dug all into it. And in my crazy tale, I didn't smoke when my mother was alive. I started smoking afterwards, dealing with the stress of losing my my best friend. And I, I didn't want to use other substances. But just the stress, the stress of having these four little beings, no parent. Um, my grandmother was already elderly, just that, and it's not an excuse, but it's just, you pick up vices. And that was the vice I chose knowing that I lost my mother. Yeah. Oh, so this was after, so your mom had passed away and then you started smoking 15 years yes. ago or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Did you grow up in the home with your mother when yeah. she was smoking? So, you yeah, know, you also you also had that too the secondhand smoke because yeah. ex exposure to other people's smoke, which we call secondhand smoke, is also a risk factor for developing lung cancer. Absolutely. And then it was so crazy because I hated the smell of cigarettes. My mother, when I had my daughter, she couldn't, she had to go wear a special jacket, go outside the whole nine. Like I was very big on that. Germaphobe. Like you got a light all down to disinfect your hands, like the whole nine. I was the last person you would ever think to see what it's like. And a lot of people to this day didn't even know I smoked because I treated it as if I had a crack pipe in my hand, so to speak. Whenever I would see people that I know or children, I hide my cigarette. You know what I'm saying? Like I, it was my dirty little habit, my dirty little secret. Gotcha. Folks um, listening, some of the symptoms of, um, lung cancer, the symptoms are the same for people who smoked and for people who never smoked. Some of the general symptoms um, are just not feeling well, uh, feeling tired all the time or fatigued, coughing frequently, coughing up blood, um, chest pain, wheezing. And uh, you mentioned, Marisha, that you were doing a lot of wheezing. Um, also, shortness of breath. You also mentioned that in the beginning that you we're easily short of breath. Mm -hmm. And we mentioned some of the risk factors. We mentioned the secondhand smoke, um, obviously being a smoker, but other risk factors include radon. Sometimes folks can have radon in their homes, in their houses, air pollution. So if you live in a, a town or a city with a lot of air pollution, like Indianapolis, I'm sorry, not Indianapolis, but um Oh, gosh, it's a city in Indiana that has a lot of pollution, a lot of fog. Um, I'm blanking on it. But um, Detroit, uh, Pittsburgh, being in cities that police uh, produce a lot of pollution, um, as well as a family history of lung cancer and exposure to a, a, asbestos can also be a risk factor for developing lung cancer. Okay, so you were diagnosed in December 2022, you said? Yes. We're a little over a year. Um, how's everything going with the treatments? At first I started, I was a candidate for uh, oral chemo that I take every day. And so I didn't have to go 
through the invasiveness of like a portacast right away. Um, it's called Tegresso, 80 milligrams. I take that every day um, at the same time. Um, minimal side effects. Um, and then I did have to have a catheter inserted when I first, a catheter in my lung. Um, when I first came home, I came home with this catheter to keep the fluid from building up because it kept, it would not, it never diminished. So in that respect, I had a nurse. I had that for eight months. I had a nurse that came three days a week to change my dressing and to, because it's a sterile process to drain the catheter. Mm -hmm. And so that became like, um, it put me in a, I was very self-conscious, very self-aware um, because, you, you know, you got all this tegaderm and it's a small space, but it's like, it's a part of me now. So you can't really, you can't get it wet really. So that, you know what I mean? So like bathing, it, like you got to stand in a certain spot. So it was a lot mental. And um, I got that removed the day after my, um, my birthday. My 48th birthday was August the 7th. August the 8th, I got that removed. And I had went to North Carolina for my birthday celebration. I got in the water, Dr. Delvina, to swim for the first time I could. In two years, I cried. Because oh you don't realize how much something that you miss really means to you till it's taken away. Mm. And I just, I said, I got in that water and it was like, it, it, it was something that I, you, you take for granted. Like even yeah. just breathing, you don't realize how much you need your lungs until you can't use them. Mm. I have to take Ativan at night to sleep and I still won't sleep in a regular bed. I have a special recliner that my kids ordered for me um, that because I almost was called dry drowning right before my diagnosis in November. I went to nothing was moving in my chest and I went to lay down. I had this ear ring in migraine. Nothing was moving. I couldn't breathe, but it was internal. And finally, I got something to shake in my chest where I could move just enough junk around to get enough air. And, and that was because I laid down and I thought I could, you know, because that's what you do. You know, most people go to bed. Right. And after that, it, I, it sent me. I, I started sleeping straight up. I would put, two, I would put my chairs together because even laying on the bed, sitting straight up, you fall over. I would like panic mode. So you processing all these emotions. And then at the same time, you have to deal with the diagnosis. You're dealing with the medical staff, your teams, all these new people. You, you're being pushed and pulled and tugged on. And, um, and I can honestly say I'm thankful for my care team that I do have because they I advocate for myself. Um, heavy. And that's big. And anything that you're diagnosed with, advocacy is key because you know you better than anybody. And just being honest with yourself and your care team and your loved ones, where you are mentally, because it's a, it's a roller coaster. Some days I'm a hundred percent. Okay. Then other days I just want to break down because it takes me back. Cause I was my mother's caregiver hmm. and it takes me back to being in the, in those shoes. So she prepared me, but it's nothing like being in the hot seat itself. Right. And right. it's just like processing all those emotions and like trying to be present because I'm usually the one that goes and does and is a giver, giver, giver. And now it's my turn to be selfish. I have to be a little bit because I got to save some stuff for myself. 
and that's why I post on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook, not for the sympathy. It's for the, hopefully it inspires someone and gives them hope because no matter how bad you think it is, it's never just you. It's just you right now. Mm -hmm. And so, and being empathetic because everybody is not going to process what you're going through the way that you would expect them to. And you have to respect that because everybody doesn't process things like you do. And how would you expect them to? Because you, this could be somebody that you're close to and you, and you love them. But if we, if we all went through the same thing at the same time, we all had the same response. We wouldn't be human. Right. Yeah. Yep. 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 So So now my days consist of like more, building memories than like, um, you know, just cause I, I, I tell anybody like I'll throw how I'll throw a, a get together, a, a, a brunch, a dinner party, just a, you know, small intimate for me and my best friends or, um, me and my girls just so we can create memories. Um, because it's, it's a lot to deal with. My girls are 30, 27, 26 and 24. Mm-hmm. And they're still so young. Yeah. And my How are they daughter, dealing with it? My, they're like, their personalities are so different, but they're so good to each other. Like they're so good for one another. But my oldest daughter went through it with my mom. She couldn't even read, but she knew what pills my mom had to take and at what time she had to take them. Mm-hmm. And then she remembers back then, you know, chemo would make you profusely sick. And I'll never forget the time she came and told my mother was glow. She said, Nenen's glowing because she had, she didn't make it to the toilet. And that's how radioactive it was back then. And just things like that. I remember vividly. And then I'm talking to my, cause I started chemo yesterday because I have some little nodules that decided to misbehave and grow. They're not big but they're just enough to be speckled around my lungs. So radiation wouldn't kill them all. So I had to start chemo. And even that is a blessing in itself. Cause like I said, I don't have a porter cast. I go every three, I go three hours, three times a, I mean, every three weeks. And they're thinking I need four rounds of it. And you sound, yeah. you, you sound strong. You sound very motivated. Um, and I'm happy to hear that, you know, because the brain is so important. Um, and just directing everything, um, when you're in good spirits and you think positively, the brain can really help you help your body to overcome certain physical challenges and ailments. So it's really important to, to claim victory, you know, and to be positive and to have a, a a good perspective on, on your life. Absolutely. And also I had to learn how to give myself grace. Mm-hmm. We failed to do that. We, we, we grant it to other people, but when it's time that we're so critical of ourselves. And I remember like the first year I sat like the first, I want to, I didn't sit like just sit in one spot, but I really was real, you know, quite like just real slow with my movements. I would get up, walk around, feed my dogs, take the dogs out, run up and down the steps, that kind of thing. But like, for the most part, I just, that and just reflect it, but I did work out as best as I could, whatever I could muster and just getting my lungs to expand because I, I, even when I couldn't breathe, call me crazy, I would still go to the gym 
And I, I, I couldn't even walk up to the gym doors. I would have to grip the countertop at the gym to catch my breath or sit down before I could even sign in. But then once mm -hmm. I got inside, as I worked out, I, I could breathe. I, you know, I wasn't doing this heavy lifting or anything, but I was working. I would get do my cardio, do a couple, you know, ab exercises and do like my weight training, but just not as rigorous. But I felt better. And then I would go out the gym, still can't breathe. My lungs are back to resting. So my breathing is back to labor. And I would do this three times a week. Now, are you on oxygen? No. Okay. I am so blessed. I haven't had the only time I have to get on oxygen is when I'm in, in the hospital. And they only do that for precautionary periods. And the only reason I sound labored now is because I just had a bronchioscopy on Monday. No, you don't. You don't sound labored to me. I was just oh, asking good. if you. Sometimes I get so excited and I'd be like, no, going, no. <laughs> no, you sound good. You sound strong. <laughs> you're pacing. Um, I'm not hearing that your breathing is oh, labored good. at I, all. I'm worried about it because I had a, a brachioscopy done on um. Monday, because this is the first time they actually had to biopsy me in all this time because they got everything they needed to know because I had all these sites, like, I'm so blessed. The fluid in my lungs was cancerous along mm -hmm. with the tumor. And the tumor reason why it's stage four was because of the amount of fluid present and the, the location of my tumor. My tumor is wrapped around the lining of my lungs. So you can't even remove it because you can't live without the lining of your lungs. So, and it's not even big. It's just, I call it, excuse my French, I call it the asshole. So my kids <laughs> ask me, I can't see what I have, I call it the asshole. I'm like, the asshole. <clears throat> and then I'm like, then I have all these little nodule babies. They're not a lot, but they just, they're not even big. They took, my oncologist actually took my case up against the tumor board to fight for me to get chemo. Because, and then they all agreed that that would be the best course of treatment. Mm -hmm. And I'm so thankful because he advocates for me. In rooms that I can't advocate for myself in, because what, he knows what was the what was the other option if they didn't give you chemo? I could have did. Um, I, I qualified for some clinical trials, um, and then it was chemo, and then something else, another pill. But the lady said that she said that one of the patients said she felt like she was melting. So if they have to add that later, they will. But I'm on two different kinds of chemo, and they're mild. He said, my hair might thin, but I'm not, I'm not, shouldn't lose my hair. Mm -hmm. um, the, the chemo pill I still take, I had my hair, my hair, my hair texture changed like from the, the mid shaft down. So I, that's why I cut it into a bob because I said, well, we'll be holding on to it for us all. <laughs> Looks like bad cabbage patch kid hair from, <laughs> like, right below my shoulders all the way down. Like it was long. But I had to keep bunning it up because it, it just didn't have any vitality. My curl pattern was gone. I looked like the bad perm commercial from the 80s. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, this, I said, well, I'd rather not have any hair than have to look like I got a bad perm or I can't wear it the way that I want because my curl, the texture was so damaged and it just, it was so different. I'm trying to get over you calling it Cabbage Patch <laughs> Yes, you know, it looks, that, that course, you know what it gets. <laughs> Yeah, Ooh. baby. When I took that bun out, you knew, it was listen. It was serious <laughs> when it was up the bun, but it was hearty when I dropped. Oh man! Nice, nice, nice. So we're about to wrap it up. What? How are you dealing with 
the stress of this unexpected diagnosis? Are you praying? Are you staying in prayer? Yes. Meditating? I pray. I meditate. I, I give myself, I grant myself grace periods where I'm allowed to break down and I'm allowed to just scream it out. Um, and then I go back to um, meditating and then like <clears throat> find your happy place. My happy place is water on my, I have a routine. You have to have a routine because this will get you so beside yourself. And I have ADHD, so I definitely need a routine. So my daily consists of I wake up, I pray. I make my coffee. I go water my plants. And my plants, we got to put on music. So Alexa comes on. We play 90s R&B for the plant life. <laughs> Get my plants motivated. <laughs> then I play with my dogs. And then I wrap up my night before I pray or meditate, depending on which, you know, because I sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night meditate because I wake up in pain or I just can't sleep. But I have a dance party with my dogs. I have a doodle. A, a mini golden doodle and I have a um, pit bull boxer mix. And, and I said, I'm going to start recording us because we are absolutely buffoons in the kitchen because we turn <laughs> on Alexa and, and we dance. We dance for about 15. I try to go about 15 minutes before I get winded. And then I'll come in my room and I'll exercise my arms and my legs because I had some type of respiratory infection on top of all of this. You got to watch out because yeah. sometimes it's not the disease. it be the infections that will Take you, and they found three blood clots in my left leg mm. recently. So I had to, like, I, I make sure that I'm back on my exercises because I'm 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 active. But they think it was from the upper respiratory infection. They I get tested all the time, and I came back negative for COVID. But mm -hmm. they're thinking it was that new strain because it took me down. I was down for three weeks. Yeah, I think uh, you and I were corresponding during that time when you weren't. Yes, and I was like, I know she probably thinks well. this is and I'm not a hypochondriac. I don't claim illness. No, That's girl, the biggest I know take you, away from this. you have lung cancer. This is serious. When you said you were sick, I yes, wasn't thinking I nothing. You, I, I said, hell, I was praying for you. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. Because I, so, I tell people all the time, like, my mother taught me to pull the positivity out, like, just be... Mm -hmm. Be as positive as you can, but be realistic, you know, and and just take every day like like by the horns. And so I just live. Like I still I, and the only thing that I, um, that I get a little upset about and I have to pull away from social media sometimes is everybody gets to plan ahead. Yeah. Like next mm -hmm. year, I'm going to, you know, like they're like, oh, next year I'm going to Dubai or I'm going to Bora Bora. And then um, I'll get sad. That's the only thing. And I, I know. Well, tell me. us, what I, do you mean? What what about you? You can't plan? I you don't, right. Because I don't know what the year, I, I would love to plan. But then, you know, the realist in me is like, well, the, and then it becomes a pessimist. And I have to really fight that spirit mm -mm, because I'm like, listen, well, I can't no. plan it. Because I'm going to be here. Yes. That's what I was about to say. Baby girl, plan. Plan. Because planning means you're here and you will be here. Just when you plan, do like everyone else, because we all don't know what tomorrow will bring. You know, when you schedule a trip, you don't know if you'll get sick. You don't know if something's going to ha going to happen. There might be some unexpected event in the family or with a family member. So plan and just get travel insurance. So if you have to cancel, you get your money back. But start planning. Well, I thank you for that. I needed that because, like, I have had some real silent warriors 
that that reached out to me because like I'll reach out to people I know who have battled. It doesn't have to be lung cancer, just cancer or any type of autoimmune disease, you know, like just walk me through in this phase. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's so hard. Like, like I said, I'm like, and then when I go to the doctors, like mm -hmm. I'm the youngest person in the room. I bet. I mean, this is not a common scenario. It isn't. No. And they're like, um, like they're telling me the other day, they was like, and what makes it so bad, if you was to look at my CBC, my blood panels, all of my blood work that I get mm -hmm. done on a regular, there's nothing in it that would indicate that I have anything wrong with me. I have stellar. That's the one thing that I'm blessed is that I don't have any presets to diabetes, heart disease, stroke. I don't have any kind of mar markers that would say that I'm too weak to receive the treatment um, because some people aren't candidates. Mm -hmm. And that's when they're told to, you know, it's time, it's, you know what I mean? Just like they told me my capital would be palliative. They couldn't believe it. Eight months, it was gone. The fluid is gone. Well, praise God for that. Thank you. Cause huh, I told you, listen, I, cause it was so, it became so like, um, a part of me, it beca I became, because, and then it's like, I'm single. And I said, God, you got a real sense of humor. I mm -hmm. mean, like, I mean, <laughs> here I am, I, I got cancer. I got, I got a catheter. <laughs> oh my God. How you bring this up in conversation? These, these fools don't even want a, a little bit of inconvenience. I'm trying, I'm coming with the whole kit and kabang. <laughs> yeah. Well, Hey, we got to, we got to accept one another for who we are. You got a, a chronic illness. And, you know, at this age, I'm sure a lot of people got chronic illnesses, you know. So and you, you have a great attitude. Well, at least what we're hearing tonight, you have a very good attitude about it. Um, continue to plan and, and remain future oriented. Guys, lung cancer is the leading cause of cancer related deaths worldwide, worldwide. Although lung cancer incidents and mortality rates, meaning death rates, have been declining over the past decade because of people not smoking, the word is getting out there that tobacco smoking can really make you sick and can increase your risk of developing certain diseases and, and things like lung cancer. Um, lung cancer kills more patients than breast, colon, and prostate cancer. Uh, Marisha Phillips is on with us tonight to talk to us about how she has been surviving since her diagnosis of lung cancer in December 2022. Now, although tobacco smoke is a predominant risk factor for the development of lung cancer, there are patients who develop the disease without any history of smoking cigarettes or tobacco smoking. So please don't listen to this and write it off because you've never smoked because I know of too many patients who have been diagnosed with lung cancer who never smoked. Now, I did not ask them if they grew up around secondhand smoke, but I know plenty of people who never smoked. And sometimes certain risk factors cannot be mitigated or cannot um, cannot be resolved because if you're if you have a family history of lung cancer, there's there's nothing you can do about that if it's in your DNA. There are tests that can be used to check for the DNA mutation. That's what it's called. It's a DNA mutation 
doctors can test for that mutation so you can see if you carry that mutation or if it's in your your genetic line and if it's being passed from um, from uh, generation to generation. So, and there's also some suggestions and clinical observations that show the percentage of never smokers, people who have never smoked, have increasing incidence of lung cancer. So just keep this in mind. You know, you guys know that I talk about healthy living, which includes healthy eating. It includes being active, having a positive mindset, um, prayer, meditation, all of these things. You hear Marisha mention she goes to the gym and going to the gym makes her feel better because it expands her lungs. She's able to to move her, um, excuse me, increase her heart rate and get her heart going and get the blood pumping. And so she noticed it, it makes her feel better. Marisha? Yes. We really appreciate you. Oh, go ahead, girl. Go ahead. Thank you so much. And before we close out, I'm going to... Also, I learned, and I'll back by science, and I know you believe in it, eat Mm. your weed. Don't smoke your weed, by God forbid, but eat your weed. If it's legal or you can get your hands on CBD or or medical marijuana, eat it. Mm. It has so many benefits as far as appetite, nausea, anti-nausea, you know, natural. Mm-hmm. And um, I had got into it before I was diagnosed and I brought it up to my oncology team. And thankful, thankful here in Maryland, it's legal and it's encouraged. But not to smoke it, eat it. Like make your oil, put it on your salad dressings, whatever. And I I had a, a client come to me and I had made her some and it, she, she, she lived, she passed, but she got to live an extra two years past her, 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 her expected death date. What, what was she, and they told her, what was she suffering from? Stage four lung cancer. She came to me, she couldn't even breathe. Oh, wow. And so I, so I showed her how to make the oil and what to use, what kind of use. And she started eating it and she got to the doctor. She was no longer a candidate to get a porter cast. She had shrinkage going on, but then through the course of a couple years, you know, it had progressed past where it was helping, but she was doing her other medicines. I don't, you know, I still take my medicine, but I also, you you know, I made it to where she could just spray it on her food because it's already concentrated. And she was eating it on everything and it really helped her. She had shrinkage. She sent me all her, 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 her exams, all her panels. And she was so impressed because she was, she came to me. I actually, true story really quickly before we finish up. Sure. I walked away from a position. I was a transaction coordinator. She was a retired real estate agent. And one of the realtors, she was there. She mentored him. And I knew there was conflict of interest. So in order to help her, I walked away from my position. Hmm. Because I believed in it. Because I had studied it um, for another reason for my daughter, for something else. For her PTSD, so I knew the benefits. Um, so I knew that it had, had benefits in both arenas at different for different things. Mm-hmm. And so I don't do it. You know, what I mean, I'm not saying do it often, but is if you can, because it is beneficial and it's a natural anti. Like so, you don't have a, you have a whole lot of cocktails to take, and that's one less pill you got to take. <laughs> yeah, this is true. If in, in the state of Florida, medicinal cannabis is approved for folks who are um, enduring cancer. Um, so it used to be 
Jesper, it, it used to include for pain control, but pain control by itself is no longer an indication. But if you have one of the other qualifying illnesses, you know, then pain control can be mixed in there. But definitely the state of Florida allows medicinal for um, cancer patients, along with some other some other qualifying illnesses. But um, thank you for the recommendation that if you are using cannabis, you should eat it and not smoke it. Anytime you're inhaling something, it's not it's not healthy for your lungs. Vaping is not healthy for your lungs. No, smoking not cigarettes. At all smoking weed or cannabis. So I, I appreciate you mentioning that. Yes. No. Yes. That's the, I meant to, that's the big part of it. Like just, just advocating for yourself and yes, Western, you know, we can incorporate herbs and stuff, but just know that it, it's always, you know, just know your, know your limits with anything, but mm -hmm. it's always a benefit when you can replace something that is tested and tried and true to mm -hmm. replace a pill. That's one less harmful chemical going in your body. Absolutely. Yes. And I thank you for having me and letting me tell my story. You are welcome. And I'm so glad that you were comfortable enough to come on and, and share your experiences and talk to us. Um, yeah. Make a journal of trips you want to take, you know, kind of do. I am. Um, yeah. Go online or get some travel magazines at the grocery store and clip pictures and put them in a journal or on a on a board. And, um, you know, if you want to see Egypt, cut out some pictures of Egypt and plan or um, start thinking about in a more serious fashion, taking a trip to Egypt. Read Absolutely. The best. Thank you for the tips because that. I tell you that's the only time. Yes, because that's the only time I get like frustrated. I'm like everybody's planning ahead, and I'm I didn't even think of it. Like, well, all of us, nothing tomorrow's never promised to none of us, Marisha. But you know, when it's, it's you sure in the hospital, it, you tend to you tend to look at stuff a little different sometimes, and I have to be reminded too. As positive as I am, you know, that's the one chink in my armor, so to speak. I get, I be like, oh my god. Like, cause then the poor, the you know, the, the poor me creeps in and then you have to be like, no, you know, <laughs> no such thing. You got this. Yeah. Yeah. Tomorrow isn't promised to any of us. So if you're listening to this and you keep putting things off, don't put off for tomorrow, which I can do today. Absolutely. Amen to that. Mm -hmm. And if you can um, envision something and write it down and record it and you know, make pictures about it and, and all these things, it's more likely it'll come to fruition. All yes. right. Well, continue doing what you're doing. I am going to keep you in my prayers. Um, you know, I think about you on a regular basis because I, I see you sometimes on IG and sometimes we, you know, we'll comment on something and I see you on Facebook. So Ever since you told me about your diagnosis, you've you've been on my mind. So I'm glad that we were able to do this. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Before we get out of here, say brain love. Brain love. <laughs>